is up everybody welcome to episode 11 of whatever with jason soto a comedy podcast uh that just kind of just does whatever the fuck it wants to do uh i'm your host jason soto and joining me is my brand making new co-host mary what's up mary hi hello how was your weekend hello. it was excellent how was yours it was good it was good just uh i was off no i had to take that back i had to work saturday but I had to work just in the late Saturday, so I kind of really felt like I was off. I just was in work for a few hours. Then, uh, then I was off Sunday, and it got stupid cold, so we just stayed home and watched uh, season two of Making a Murderer. <clears throat> I've been meaning to watch that. Is it good? Have you not seen the first season? No, I haven't. Oh. I, I... Every yeah. time I go to watch it, it's like, yeah, and then I choose something else. But it's yeah. like on my list, you know. It's uh, it's it's really good. the The first season is gonna piss you off, and it's gonna <laughs> um, no, I mean just in general, not not you personally. Like it's just gonna oh, piss yeah. you off, um, because it's just gonna make you um question and just be sad about the justice system. Mm. Um, uh, actually, have you ever seen a show on Netflix called The Confession Tapes? No. Okay, so it's sort of along the same lines that this is like a whole show about what happens. Uh, basically, I saw. Is it anything like that Ted Bundy one they did? No, that, not, was I, that I hadn't seen. That I have not seen. Oh, you should see that. That's good. But uh, it's well, I mean, maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. But it, what it is is they'll, they'll like each episode's a case, and it'll be like you know this person got murdered, and then we suspect this guy or this girl or these people or whatever. But we don't have any evidence on them. So then they'll, what they'll, what the least of the three episodes I've seen. So I kind of stopped watching it because it was depressing the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah. No shit. That's, that's a, yeah. True crime. It's like a, you know, you're taking a crapshoot. You're either going to be like fascinated by it or I'll just depressed and kind of scared. Like, <laughs> you know, just, just cynical. Like, oh, I hate humanity. I don't want to leave my But house. like, what, like, what, what the twist about this one is, uh, all of these that I've seen was about, uh, these people that were suspected of murdering these people, but they didn't have evidence. So the cops would like go out of their way to like talk to the suspect and make the suspect believe they were the murderer. Oh, they're gaslighting. Kind of, yeah. And then they force a confession out of them. So it'll huh. get to a point where like eight hours into the interrogation, you know, the person is suddenly like, yeah, I murdered, I murdered her, I strangled her, and, uh, you know, I was just mad about money or whatever, and then they get arrested, and then next, the whole rest of it is like, what the fuck did I, why did I do that? And so every episode was like this. Are <laughs> they all guilty, or is it just, like, coercion? No, like no, it's, it's complete coercion. Like, um, the last one that I watched um, was about these two dudes um now there's some question about whether they did do it or not but it just seems like there's more evidence saying they didn't do it um about these two dudes who uh they were like in college and uh one of the dude's parents and sister got brutally murdered while the two dudes were out in the out, like going just out like clubbing or something mm. and so they came back they found the bodies they called the police and then they were like suspects one and two for like a year, year and a half, almost two years. And so um, the the cops, and this was somewhere in Canada, and so the cops then did this thing where, I can't remember what they call it, they call it the kingpin scenario or something, where uh, these cops would go undercover and they'll say they work for like a local mob boss and they want to recruit these guys to be in their mob. 
And uh, but what they're going to do is they're going to say, like, hey, we heard you on, you know, we saw you in the news. You're suspected for murdering these people. And we want to know, did you do it? And, of course, they're at first like, no, we didn't do it. We had nothing to do with it. But then, like, the mob guys, they keep, like, it's like pressuring them. And they're like, come on, you know, you did it. Like, what? Like, tell me, like, go into detail, like, what happened. And so the guys then just full on admit, like, you know, they say, yeah, we did it. And we came home early from before we went to the club and he did this and I did that. But they did that because they wanted to impress this mob guy. Because, you know, you, it's a yeah. mob guy. You're going to want to impress him and be like, yeah, I totally fucking murdered these people. Like, what, is, what, what does he care, you know? But Yeah, and what uh, is he going to say? No, I didn't do it. I'm innocent, you know. Yeah. So the so the so the mob guys end up being you know uh, cops and then they say well we got you on film confessing to the murder so we're gonna arrest you, and then they got like life in prison for that and they're like appealing it I think one guy like ran out of appeal so he's just forever in jail, mm-hmm. all because he wanted to be like a big shot like to a mob guy, and like the people like the other experts in the show were like well they shouldn't really be doing that tactic because. Yeah, you're gonna want to impress, you know, a mafioso guy and be like, "Yeah, I completely murdered this guy." Of course, and they like that's not a real confession. Like, it's not like they're real, real cops or anything. So, yeah, it, it, it was it's fucked up. Um, that reminds me of they did something like that. Do you remember the Natalie Holloway case? Uh huh. That girl that went missing in Aruba, and then yeah. there was the guy yeah, yeah. who everyone knew did it but uh-huh. he swore up and down that he didn't do it and years later they had <clears throat> a guy pose as like a um like a drug dealer because this kid was like a drug dealer like you know gangster type of kid they had a guy pose as a drug dealer hook up a secret camera in the car and say like oh yeah what did you do like i'm wicked badass and hard what'd you do <laughs> you know what i mean and then he yeah, starts yeah. talking well like oh yeah i just threw her in the water and blah 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 yeah. and they didn't actually end up using that because he was smoking weed at the time they were mm. like oh it's inadmissible because he was he was stoned on the marijuana oh okay yeah. so see i gotta see that like i don't know if that's anywhere to be to see it but like i'd have to see it to see if it was like he was just trying to, you know, impress whoever he was talking to or if he really yeah. was confessing. No, I think he definitely did it considering his past history. And then he went on to murder another girl um, oh, okay. like shortly after that. So <laughs> no. I, mean, right. I think it's interesting. It's just interesting the way that cops will just pose, you know, get to somebody to like, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. Um, but yeah, so that's just what we did. And so making a murderer, it was kind of like that. I don't want to spoil a whole lot for you. But it, it kind of gave me that, like, level of anger when I was watching it. Um, but I, I think overall you will like it. It's just going to piss you off about, like, how the cops handled that situation. Um, and it's it gets into, yeah, it gets into weird places. And there's, like, a twist kind of. And it's crazy. And the season two is more of, like... A follow-up of like the um, like what happened after the season one came out, because like it's talking about how like because the 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 season one came out, people are like now like yeah, dudes, you know, kind of ruined. Kind of, I gotta tell you a little bit about it. So the guy murder a girl when he got out. Yeah. So this guy, he was in jail for like eighteen years for something he really didn't do. Like that part he didn't really do. And so some someone found out, you know, who really murdered this girl, and so they let the guy out. Five years later, uh, the guy uh, is suing the like the state department and the cops and everything because of wrongful imprisonment. And so the the court the the case for the for this was coming shortly, and then this girl goes missing, and then she ends up getting found dead. 
And so they blame it on this guy, this guy named, named Steve. And so the cops like were quickly to like arrest him and put him in jail. And he's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And, you know, he just keeps saying, you know, they're just going after me because I'm suing them for a wrongful imprisonment thing. And uh, they're planning evidence. And then it goes into like how they possibly planted evidence and they got like a forced confession and there's all kinds of stuff. You, you got to watch it. Um, but the second season was just it's just all about like how. You know, people are like, yeah, he's totally innocent and, um, you know, he didn't do it. And the, the law enforcement in that town, like, sucks. <laughs> and all the law enforcement people are like, like, man, Netflix really messed with our lives. And uh, <laughs> they, they presented just one angle of the story. They didn't present the other, blah, blah, blah. And so he hired a new lawyer who's, like, really good, apparently. And, like, we're following her now as she's trying to, like, solve the murder herself. She's like, if I can solve the murder and prove he didn't do it, we can get him free. Because really, that's going to be what it's going to take to get him free. Because he's just out of appeals right now, and they have nothing else to do. So she's just like, we're just going to find out who did it, and we're going to, tr- you know, trace her last steps and figure this out. And that's kind of, I'm in the middle of it now. It's it's like 10 episodes, and each episode's like an hour. So it's like, you know, you can't quite binge it, I guess, unless you got really nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like 10 hours of your life chip away yet. <laughs> yeah so we're about midway through um Netflix but has good documentaries I like they do them. they're really good at it they really do i'm i'm very impressed with their um with their lineup i, I mean I, that's why i always like you know when i need something to watch i'll look through their like documentaries first and you know and again i'm you know i'm a true crime junkie so i look for all the true crime shows uh, that's how I check found out that. The, <clears throat> check out the Ted Bundy one. It's 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 probably okay. the best documentary I've seen. Like it's really really good. I mean, right. if you're interested in that case, yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally watch it, dude. It's so good. All right, yeah, I checked. I have to check that out sometime. So anyway, that was what I what it, um I know what you did, Mary, because you posted it on Facebook, and I do want to talk about this. Oh, you saw a Star War. Oh my god! I saw two Star Wars. Oh, you saw two Star Wars! Wow. Two Star Wars, thus completing <clears throat> the original trilogy of Star Wars. Okay. So and... I'm all caught up on the original. <laughs> and this is a big yeah. deal because you have made it crystal clear that you are not a fan yes. of these movies. Yes. <laughs> Over years <clears throat> and years and years, <laughs> I I cannot express. It's not that I hate. Well, I don't know. It's okay. I don't, I mean, I hate Star Wars, but I hate like the saturation. The fucking, it's like everywhere. It won't go away. It's like everywhere you look, it's shoved down your throat so, all the fucking time, every day. So is it fair to say that it's not the movies themselves you hate, but just I mean, the hype okay, around it? So I don't hate the movies. I saw the original three. My husband loves them. They're like his favorite movies ever. He loved them mm-hmm. since he was a kid. They're super important to him. So I'm like, okay, I got to see this. He likes this so, so much. He's got to have something that, you know, I'll see what all the fuss is about. Okay. I saw the first one a while ago. I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. It's imaginative. I like the 80s, like the puppetry and mm-hmm. it's a, it's original ideas. Like I have to give it that. I'm, I'm, I usually like hate like the same thing over and over again. If you were like a person back in the 80s and you saw that, you'd be like, holy fuck. That's really cool. <laughs> that blows my mind. Right. But not to me in 2020 right now. I mean, I've, it's like, you know. 
like the air I breathe. Everybody, <laughs> but like, <laughs> so it's not really special to me. The movies, I feel like if I was one of those '80s people, would be like fucking awesome. But I'm not, and I didn't see it when I was a kid, so it's just mm. kind of lost on me. And I got bored a lot of times. It just kind of seemed like your typical action movie with cliches. It's not the movie's fault. It's the fault of time and the fact that it's so saturated and all that. I mean, it's original in and of itself, but God, it's just, you know, how many parodies and references and, you know, Star Wars, everything has to have it. (laughs) It's like, you know, I feel like you could never watch the original Star Wars trilogy and still have seen everything there is to see about Star Wars just because it's so in your face all the time every day and yeah. Ugh. Okay. I mean, all right. I can I can definitely appreciate that point of view. Because um, I, I will admit, like, okay, growing up, for me anyway, like, all I knew was, I mean, all there was really was the original trilogy. Like, you know, New Hope, um, uh, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so, you know, I grew up watching those, and I loved them. Now, <clears throat> I'm not, like, super into it like a lot of people are. Like, people know, like, the name of, like, the robot that was in the background for, like, one scene. <laughs> yeah. And, like, there's a whole story about that robot and stuff. And, like, no, I'm not that deep into it. Uh, which scares me. Uh, and I only know that this exists because my aunt, for Christmas one year, got me the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit game. Oh, nice. And I looked at the questions, and it was literally stuff like, like what was the name of the food that Jabba the Hutt was eating in Return of the Jedi? I'm like, I don't fucking know. It was like worms. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me with this shit? Yeah, all those technical terms. and just, it, it, yeah, uh-huh. There's good. someone emailing me right now telling me what the name of that food was that he ate. <laughs> Like it was, it was Vergavat, and I was like, "Oh, okay, thanks, all right." I needed the to know that. Sarkon Six, everyone knows that in the Galactic Empire of Carbon Seven, you right. moron. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then when these newer movies came out, you know, I was into them. And I'm just into just the movies. And I just want the story. That's right. all I care about. All I care about is the story. And I want it to be a good story. And that was why I hated the prequels. <laughs> I hate the prequels because they didn't tell a good story. That's what my husband said. He He's like, you know, the, the prequels are trash. The CGI was horrible. They had unnecessary characters. Yeah. Did you see the video of George Lucas watching the prequels for the first time, like the the first one or whatever? No, I missed that. And the whole fucking theater. It's like him and his producers, and they're like, "Oh my god, what the fuck? We that was a horrible. Like we <laughs> fucked up. Like look it up. It's on YouTube." And they're all like walking around like that was terrible. Like we wow. need to fix that. And they're like that's not fixable. We already have it out there. We can't, it's too late now. Like yeah, it's. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and oh you know what's even funnier i don't know if you knew this or not there's a movie called um fanboys have you seen this no so the movie takes place it was made in like mid 2000 2006 2007 and it's got okay I, I don't know how you feel about these people it's got some of the judd apatow like people in it not all of them um, it's got like the, the, the grade C actors that were in like Judd Apatow movies. Uh, but like Seth Rogen does make an appearance and stuff like that. But the whole movie takes place in 1999 when they hear that they're going to make, you know, Phantom Menace and they're like hardcore Star Wars nerds. 
and um one of the one of the fans some guy he finds out he has cancer and he's going to like die before uh Phantom Menace comes out and so they go oh, on no. this like trek <laughs> That's a joke. But they go on this journey uh, to go to uh, uh, George Lucas's, like, the Skywalker Ranch in California and break in to watch a copy of Phantom Menace So before this guy dies. And that's, like, the whole premise of the movie. It's, like, just them on this road trip. Hilarious. It's pretty cool. And it got, like, the movie, the, the movie itself got, like, no fanfare. Like, it wasn't even put in theaters. It was, like, direct-to-DVD. Oh, it was, man. That, it was that's very, a hilarious concept, though. It is. That's, it's very just, awesome. It's just, like, that's your dying wish, and then you go in there, and it's the fucking Phantom Menace. Well, I don't, okay, I won't spoil <laughs> it. But, yeah, the the whole, like, build-up to that is just hilarious. That's funny. Yeah, it's I, I say check it out. I don't know how you are about comedies, but... I say check it out. Yeah, that's not, no, that's <clears throat> It's pretty cool. Um, and it's got like a pre-famous Kristen Bell in it, actually. she It was like before oh. she made it big, she was like, she was a token girl in the movie. Um, and a few other like people, if you watch a lot of Judd Apatow movies, you'd rec- recognize yeah. these guys. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, so going back to the original story. So you do like, you did like the, 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 the movies you did watch, like the ones you watched the other day. Yeah, I mean, I did like them. I mean, they okay. weren't like something that I would say mm. I was entertained the whole time. A lot of times I was bored, but it was just kind of like I could appreciate, like you know, like I said, it was like, oh, this is an original idea. I like the puppets. I like the creativity of like the animals and stuff. And some of it was cool. I mean, I'm not really. I didn't really care about the plot. I didn't really care about like the. You know, there's like a scene that just kind of made me want to rip my face off, which was in the last one. It was like. Um, those the Ewoks and like the thing shooting laser <laughs> went on for like t- ten minutes. It was like pew pew pew, ah, ah, pew, 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 pew. It was just like okay, all right, I get it. You know they're fighting. Like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was a good movie. I would just have to say it's not my type of movie. But I'm not gonna like say it's like oh that's shit. Like uh, I'm too good for that. Cause no, I mean I recognize its quality and I it, I respect it for that. But it's just not maybe for me. I mean I don't know. It's it. It's not a bad okay. movie, you know. Yeah, right. no. I was actually pleasantly surprised, considering how much I hate the rest of everything Star Wars. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah. now you did know the twist, like, early on, right, about Luke's father? Yeah, I feel okay. like I've known that probably since I was, like, two years old. Okay, now did you – but did you feel any kind of way when that actually played out, or were you just like, oh, okay? No, I just – it's like, oh, yeah, there's that scene. I've seen a million times. <laughs> yeah. Right. It just kind of feels like, you know, maybe if you, like, it, it, if you saw somebody, like, pledging the flag, uh-huh. would you really, like, think about what they were saying and be moved by it? Or would you be like, oh, yeah, that's that thing? Yeah, that's okay. how I felt about it. All right. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I'm glad you got to see the original trilogy, and I'm glad you liked them. I, I like c3po c3po is my favorite i remember watching it with my dad and i was like really like little probably like four years old and i was like i like that guy and <clears throat> he was like that's c3po and then <coughs> he went out the next day and he got me a c3po pez and i loved it so i have that to i, I like c3po that's that's about as much as i can say about it okay all right. Well, uh, it was a good thing you enjoyed the movie because if you didn't like it, you probably would start an online petition, wouldn't you? Probably. I probably should do it anyway, just to make 
Baby Yoda go away. <laughs> I feel like maybe I should start a petition to like make Baby like we can hunt Baby Yoda down like you know those old movies where they hunt down like Frankenstein and everyone has pitchforks. I think that's I start a petition for that. Yeah. So, okay, so that was my very clever segue into this next topic here because I was thinking about um, petitions the other day because I came across one. Um, it was, it's 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 actually been the same one that's been uh out forever <clears throat> but uh basically um you know who Brie Larson is yes i'm going to say men in general most most men uh not not all men hashtag not all men but uh most men do not like her and do not like her has captain marvel and so somebody and probably a few people made a online petition to uh to uh have brie larson no longer play captain marvel why did they not like her i mean she kind of seems <clears throat> sort of unpleasant in real life but i mean she's pretty i don't know what, what's wrong with her um she's she's kind of very like uh let's see how do i trying to put it delicately but i don't know if i can apparently and i've not seen this myself like full on she's like very like she says something about like being very anti like male or anti-men or something oh yeah she's one of those new age feminist type something yeah, like that you know. yeah let me yeah that's you know she wants to act like an idiot like that in public i hate those types of people personally i think they're hypocrites but that's her if that's if you can't separate like her from the character she's playing it's like you know i don't know i feel like i'm a strong believer in separating the art from the artist you know okay so if, if you don't like what she has to say as brie larson then who fucking cares if she's playing a different person don't don't listen to brie larson so this was like so a couple of the things she said um <clears throat> was she uh she did not she said so, in some interview that she was tired of being interviewed by white men and so, uh, what's wrong with being white? <laughs> um, and so then she would later then retract that statement and say, well, that's not exactly what I meant. I just meant, I want to be interviewed by more women. I want to be interviewed by more like black people or black women or whatever. She was basically <laughs> said she was tired of talking to old white men, like all the time. And I guess it just came out wrong. But then she said it, and so then, of course, like the internet like went into a frenzy and was like, like Captain Marvel or Brie Larson should be Captain Marvel if she hates men and blah 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 blah. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I sort of agree. I mean, it's kind of an ing ignorant thing to say. If I, you know, if if she said, I'm sick of being interviewed by black women, you know, people would be yeah. like, what the hell, you know. Yeah. I, I think that's an ignorant thing to say, personally. I mean, everybody has their own viewpoint, but I think that is ignorant. But I don't think that prevents her from, like, being in a fucking movie. Well, so people are saying they don't want her in that world. They don't want to see her yeah, anymore. That's so they want... Just, yeah, that's stupid. So, yeah, that's dumb. But, like, my whole takeaway on these stupid petitions is that they don't do anything. Like, it's just, like, a waste <laughs> of every buddy's time <laughs> you know what too i actually <laughs> i signed the game of thrones season eight petition <laughs> i was like you know what i don't care if this isn't gonna do anything this is how this is my expression of how angry i am at you stupid D and D. and i signed it and i'm st still getting emails from change.org every fucking day just spam because yeah. i signed that one fucking petition yeah 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 
but I think yeah, I've no, signed. I'm... Uh, I think I did sign. Um, I I signed uh, one like back in 2016 when Trump got elected, and I signed like we don't want him as president type. I don't remember what the the thing was exactly, but uh, it didn't yeah, work. Yeah, just me to be like fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but this like how I feel. <laughs> but like you know they don't. You know, I don't know what they do. It's just a big waste of time it's an because empty gesture. Because it's like, okay, so for the Brie Larson one, you're gonna, you know, million like uh, let's say one million people exactly signed this thing saying we don't want Brie Larson to be Captain Marvel. So then they get a million signatures. So then it's gonna go to Marvel, and then Marvel's gonna be like, oh, well, a million people signed this online thing that anybody can make. They don't want Brie Larson, so yeah, we're gonna fire her. Like, no, that's just not how that's gonna work. <laughs> like, they're just gonna they're just gonna like laugh at it and delete the email, and then just move on, counting yeah, their millions. I, I think it's stupid to like just fire somebody for something that they said. I mean, if you're like a murderer or a fucking rapist, like Bill Cosby. By all means, fire them. But if they're just saying stupid shit in their personal, who fucking cares? Like, so everyone says stupid shit, like, all the time. They don't lose their jobs for it. That's pathetic. That's Yeah, like, um, like, James Gunn lost his job because of a tweet he did back in, like, 2008. I don't know, do you remember that? No. So, okay, well, James Gunn, he's the guy that did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and he's like the main like writer and director for those series of movies. Um, so before uh, production started on you know part three, uh, somebody out there found this very old tweet that James Gunn sent out like two thousand eight or seven or something, and I don't remember exactly. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it right because it was very, um, it was very controversial and it was a joke, but it was like a very like dark joke. Um, mm. and people I, are so fucking touchy. Uh, where was it? So, but uh, I'm finding the tweet. But somebody found the tweet, and then they uh sent it to you know Disney, who owns like Marvel, and Disney because you know they're a family company. Um, they uh they they fired him from you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, whether, you know, you know, anyone who doesn't watch the movies knows he makes that, like he literally and figuratively like makes those movies. Like, I think his writing in those is like top notch, like level, like they're just fantastic. They're one of my favorite Marvel movies and I love all Marvel movies, but the Guardians of the Galaxy are like my favorites. Um, and I think it's because of him. He has a very unique sense of humor um and he knows how to like film a movie and i think he's a really good director he's directed other stuff um he did like slither have you seen slither no <laughs> uh that's a good movie that's really good um he's done a bunch of stuff um <clears throat> okay so apparently he did a lot of tweets that kind of just kind of compiled kinda some feathers. yeah um so like the main one i'm getting here uh okay so i'm just gonna read it and we're just gonna let it sit because this is kind of controversial but (laughs) i also take it that i think he was kidding Uh, he retweeted some to some guy and he says i like it when little boys touch me in my silly place that was a tweet that was a tweet um and then uh there was another one I just found where it was like a hashtag. It was hashtag unromantic movies. 
and he sent one. This was back in 2012. It was called, <laughs> oh, man, I feel a little dirty reading this one. <laughs> Three men and a baby they had sex with. Oh. Now, okay, now, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. Like, the actual idea behind that is terrible. But that didn't actually happen. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't actually, like, film a movie with three men having sex with a baby. Like, he just said words. I think the the difference... Okay, so if you took the same joke and you gave it to, like, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, Mm -hmm. they would find a way to make it work. I don't think this one works because it's not funny. Okay. You know I what mean, I mean? Because it's just some yeah, yeah. kind of like, um, oh, it's shocking. But they don't find a way to twist it so it's not only shocking but also funny. It's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. That's my opinion. I, I just think that it's not funny and that's why it goes, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, but these were like back like before he got like the Marvel gig. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it's something that somebody should, you know, it should follow somebody around for the rest of their life by any means, but you know, it's certainly not like, Oh my God, I can't believe. Okay. I found another tweet. He said, now this one, I kind of find funny. (laughs) This one's called, this one says, this is from 2010. It says my new film jerk loose, a small town where beating off is illegal. And one high school kid jerks off in front of the (laughs) others to show how fun it is. Yeah, see, that's a better that, way. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was works. funny. That's funny to me. But that's one of the ones he got in trouble for. And so everyone freaked the fuck out, and Disney <laughs> fired him. And so um, he wasn't allowed to make his Guardians of the Galaxy three movie. But the but er- but everybody else, like the sane people, were like, "That is stupid." And that's fucking the- ridiculous. You know, I I just you know people say shit like that all the time people say dumb shit or gross shit or inappropriate shit like who mm-hmm. who hasn't said anything like that but right. the second they can get a snippet of it and use it against a famous person somehow it's like oh you're the worst person in the world because you said this dirty joke one time <laughs> but it, oh, fucking hypocrites man That's- yeah and so um but like the cast like said we're not gonna make part three without james gunn so i don't know what you're gonna do disney <laughs> And so they stood by him, and there, and so the whole movie got delayed. It was supposed to have been out by now, um, but it got like super delayed, and they were trying to figure out what to do. And then it became like, okay, well, we're gonna use this script, or we're gonna find someone else to direct it. And then some of the cast was like, okay, that's that's negotiable. We'll do that. A couple people were like, and like key actors who play key characters in these movies couple of them were like no we're not doing this without james gunn like we want him to direct and so um then eventually they came to a agreement where they hired him back and they're gonna go ahead and make volume three with james gunn but what's funny is during while all this was happening uh dc uh marvel's you know competitor uh hired james gunn to make uh a new suicide squad movie and so oh. James Gunn went to go work on that while he was waiting to hear back from Disney. And then Disney's like, okay, you can come back. And he's like, now, okay, well, let me finish this DC movie and then I'll come back to Marvel. And that's <laughs> nice. what they're going to do. That's what they're doing. He's finishing up. He's going to finish up this DC movie and then he's going to make Guardians of Galaxy 3. Nice. And it is the funniest like story ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just, I, um, I just think it's funny that people think petitions are going to work. 
Um, or even like though... hashtag silence, you know, so and so or quiet, blah blah blah. No, no, yeah. just no. I, I don't understand why people get so butt hurt over like, oh my god, I can't believe that the artist that made the art that I like happens to be like not like what I wanted them to be like. Like mm-hmm. fucking care. I don't know. Do you believe in that? Like people who like, oh my god, John Lennon beat his wife. He's evil. I won't listen to his music. It's... Oh, I hate, I hate people like that. Yeah, um, just let's just appreciate the good that they do. Yeah, like, separate it, or you'll you'll never be happy ever. Because like. Seven is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And for me to be like, well, I'm not going to watch it because it's Kevin Spacey. Spacey. Right. Yeah. You know, that's ridiculous. Like, no, I'm going to watch Seven if I want to watch Seven. Because, yeah, you're watching somebody like, you know, yeah, that's exactly. I don't, you know, uh, okay, here's a good example. Um, Woody Allen. Right. Woody Allen has been shit on. He's been shit on like half of my life. I'm almost 40. And for right. like 25, 30 years, <laughs> he has been shit on by everybody. He's <laughs> a brilliant comedian. I mean, I totally, I don't uh, like, I don't think that people are lying. I think he's a creepy pedophile. Yeah. But that's him and his personal life. I mean, you, it, there, there's evidence there. I think it's creepy that he married his daughter. But whatever. That's not my business. It's his life. My yeah. business is only what he puts out to the public, which is fucking ha- hilarious. I mean, what if you're going to just like go about e- life and everything that somebody makes, you have to look in, intensely into their personal life and be like, I don't like it because that person did something I don't like. You're never going to be happy and you're never going to enjoy anything because everybody's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Like, surprise, nobody's a good person, really. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I I think I think we should be able to separate the person from their life. Um, yeah, because like for all I like, okay, here's another example. Quentin Tarantino mm. has a person. I probably would find him creepy because yeah. he's got a weird foot fetish, <laughs> and I believe he has said the n word like himself like a bunch of times, which I don't agree with. Have you ever seen those videos of him talking to black people? No, I don't, know I, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> it's he 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 tries too hard to assimilate himself, and he like does it over the top. And I think in his weird, twisted mind, Quentin Tarantino thinks it's okay for him to say bl- the N word because he thinks he's black. I'm dead serious. Oh, Look it up. Okay. But I'm all not right. saying that it excuses it at all. But it just adds to his craziness. I think he really is like. Yeah, just just mm. look it up. <laughs> but I fucking love his movies, and yeah. I will defend his movies to like my dying breath. I love all of his movies, um, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at this list of all these like weird petitions that people made, um, and they're really funny. And there's some of them. I'm not gonna read all of these because there's some I think you gotta read the article to get the joke um but like one of them uh where was it one of them, where is it oh one of them is to ban the word moist oh <laughs> everybody acts like that they're like oh my god the word moist is so gross it's like that's I just know. a meme everyone never... acts like it's the same thing as pretending that you're scared of clowns like oh. everyone wants to act like they're super special like oh moist is gross I, 
And yeah. you want to hear something funnier about that? I just now read this. This was actually a British petition, and they delivered it to the uh, former Prime Minister, David Cameron, <laughs> and the leader of the Labour <laughs> Party, Je- Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> wow, so th- that's, this going, that's going back to like 2015. Yeah, this was this is an older one, yeah. Um, they want to, they had a petition to abolish the word ma'am. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody wants to make a Funko Pop of Alf, which I agree with. I don't know why there's not a Funko Pop. Wait, that doesn't exist already? I know, right? I wish there was, I totally want one now. I'm not going (laughs) to sign a petition, but I totally want one. I have Um, one Funko Pop from like back in 2013 and it's been in my closet gathering dust for like years. Yeah, I kind of. Wow, that's gotta be worth uh, money. It's a Joffrey from Game of Thrones Funko Pop. That's that's, that's the only one I've ever atta- obtained. Then I realized Funko Pops are stupid. I stopped buying them. <laughs> okay, I'm a little insulted because I buy them all the time, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you just Google like stupid petitions, you'll see this list of just weird ones. Um, but I just want to say they're not going to do anything. No, the, the head of a movie studio is not going to look at this and be like, oh, well, yeah, I guess we're going to have to fire Brie Larson because these people will say so. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, Donald Trump's not going to get removed from office because you signed an online I was petition. just about to say that. Well, he's done. Donald Trump's Trust signing me. morning. Oh, man, I wish that was all it took. But, no, it's going to take a lot more than that, obviously. So, um. All right, yeah. So, um, moving on. Um, Mary, do you use emojis? Yes, in fact, I do. Okay. I can't. I I don't. And anytime that I want to, it gets awkward because I don't do it enough. Because I guess now, if you if you do them enough, they'll save somewhere. And like you know, like I do the thumbs up one a lot. Um, uh. So, like, it's saved. Like, if I were to send you, like, a thumbs up and a message, like, as as an emoji, it's saved. But, um, like, the other – I think I was talking to you. I think it was you. And I needed to do, like, a shoulder shrug. And I could not find the fucking shoulder shrug emoji (laughs) to save my life. (laughs) I have to copy-paste. I have to go to, like, the Emojipedia website and copy-paste them. Like, I have to do all that work. I didn't even know that was a thing. Because, um, like, if you well, like, if you go to Facebook, they have them preloaded. You just got to fucking find them. And, like, just looking now, I still don't know where the shrugging one is. And I know I just used it. I like the shrugging. The uh, It's like a bunch of lines. It's actually, like, not an emoji. It's like. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. That's yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. Emo- uh, whatever. <laughs> I love that. But, like, I can't, you know. I don't know if it's because I'm a writer, um, but I like to use words. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess, I feel my like point of view on this. kind of give, like, something, like, if I'm writing about something serious, I feel like it's not appropriate to put an emoji in there. But if you're like, I like pizza, and you want to put a couple of pizza emojis in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizza. Or, like, sometimes I'm talking it's to my sister. Color. If I talk to my sister on Facebook and I say, like, you know, I love you or something, I'll put hearts. Yeah. Um, but, you so know. It, it just gives it an accent, you know? Um, but, like, I don't go, like, super crazy. Like, there's, like, that thumbs up 100% emoji with the 
heart for eyes, like, you know, all that stuff. Like, I can't, I can't, like, and, and sometimes Twitter will have this game where, like, they'll, like, like okay, we're going to tell you a plot of a movie, only an emoji. You have to guess what the movie is. I well, can't I fucking. Like that bothers me. I can't figure out what the fuck the movie yeah. is. Like, I there's... can usually figure it out, but it still bothers me. It's like, you know, no. <laughs> like, th- there was one, like, I think to this day, I don't know what it is. And it was like. <laughs> Uh, it was like the it was like an okay emoji, but like the mouth was covered. It had like white on it, and then there was like a flame, and then there was like a car or something, and I or something like that. And I still don't fucking know what that movie is, and I was able to figure <laughs> out most of them from the seventies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was Herb's snuff film, Jason. Come on. I should have guessed that. <laughs> Uh, but some of them are easy. Like they have like literally just like a bunch of like you know monkey emojis. And it's like okay, Planet of the Apes, and then uh, they had one with like aliens and Earth and explosion. It's like okay, Independence Day and stuff yeah, like right. that. It's like like a, a, an evil looking face, an axe, and a door. It's like okay, it's a shame. Yeah, right. Um, they had one. It was like a little girl, and then like the devil, and it's like okay, Exorcist. Yeah. Um, but then there's some that are just like. Smiley face, angel crown, flowers, uh, red sports car, and it's like, what? Yeah, those, <laughs> what the fuck movie is that? Ones where it's like, you know, they'll take like a like a director or something in the or like a band, and they'll be like their different albums, but like illustrate them in SpongeBob. Pictures. Oh, oh yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like those. I don't like <laughs> <laughs> Fair, I guess. Um. Yeah, I just have a hard time using emojis. Like, I can't, you know, I can do like a, I can do the regular ones. I can do like a smiley face. Um, you know, sometimes I quite, I, li- I quite like emojis. <laughs> I have to, you know, the way the way my humor is, I sometimes have to do a smiley face so people know I'm just kidding. Because, like, I could just, I don't do this to you because I don't know. I, I think you'd get worried. But if I was like message you and I was like, hey, fuck face. I feel like I would have to put a smiley face at the end of it so you know I'm not really mad at you. <laughs> yeah, or LOL. That's what I do on Facebook. LOL. Yeah. So the yeah. people get extra offended at nothing. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. <laughs> or exactly. Yeah. Um, Throw in a couple and, of exclamation points in there. Let them know you're not serious. And then, oh, like the other day I was making a joke about um, the weather. I was texting somebody. And uh, I said something about, well, I better get my sunglasses. And I spent like five minutes finding the fucking sunglass emoji. <laughs> and I'm like, this person's like going like, to not even find this funny anymore. I don't understand this unless I have the emoji. So, I don't know. I just wanted to say really, just really quickly that um, I suck at emojis. If you, you message like me. You. Yeah, if you Everyone message me. Anti-emoji. Well, it's not that I'm anti. It's just that I'm not good at it, I guess, is the more takeaway you should get from this. So if I'm going to send you a message and it's taking me like 20 minutes to send you a message back. You're struggling over I'm the emoji. trying to find the fucking emoji <laughs> that I want to use um, to, to you know, convey a point. Um, with that said, have you seen the emoji movie? No. But I, okay. I think that's like, you know, I'm like most people. I I I kind of blame Lego Movie for that because I mean and Lego Movie is really good but I think that was that that was the point where everyone was like oh well we can just make a movie out of anything we're going to make yeah. a fucking emoji movie I totally agree with you on that when the Lego Movie came out it's like okay I get that it's well made and people probably love this 
But this is opening a door that, you know, does not need to be opened. Yeah. And um, I so I, I've not seen Emoji Movie. It just looks fucking terrible. I and saw I've someone seen... on Reddit that said, you know, that they saw the Emoji Movie. They watched it by themselves. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> there was something, there was some kind of thread, like, what was your worst movie experience ever? And they were like, oh, I watched the Emoji Movie by myself. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I remember, like, I thought for sure that movie was going to get canceled because, like, when that trailer came out, it was, like, the most hated trailer on YouTube. And I felt like the movie got delayed because of it. And I thought, okay, maybe... It's not as bad as fucking Food Fight, though, but go on. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that Nostalgia Critic do that. Like, like, how how did that become a thing? Like... (laughs) And then they use like actual brands of food in that. Like, how did you, like, how did you get the, pr- the permission Charlie to do that? Ch- oh my god! <laughs> like, man. Uh, so I don't know. Um... <gasps> Look who just sent me a text. Addie McAllister. What should I say? Just play it cool. Welcome to the world inside your phone, where everyone is expected to act one way their whole life. Aw, snap! Ow. My name is Gene, and I'm supposed to be a meh. You know, like, meh, who cares? But my problem is, I have more than one emotion. Check this out. Huh? Huh? Son, please tell me you weren't laughing just now. What if you get sent out on the phone making the wrong face? Dad, I'll make the right face. Then I would finally fit in. Sweetie, you're so handsome when you make that face. I think he's ready, Mel. That's our user, Alex. We have an incoming text. We are go for men. <laughs> Me? What's he doing? He's making the wrong face. Yeah. Huh? What the heck? Welcome to the Loser Lounge, where the emojis who never get used hang out. What's up, High Five? I'm an emoji. I've got to have some sort of purpose here. I'm going to help you. We need to get off the phone and find the source code. Then I can fit in. Let's roll, my Felicia. First, we have to get through this firewall. What's Alex's girlfriend's name again? It was Tina. Access denied. Karen. Sarah. I want to say Lupita, but that doesn't feel right now. I'm saying it out loud. I think you're pretty cool just the way you are. Nobody leaves the phone! Delete them! My feelings are huge. Maybe I'm meant to have more than just one emotion. Where am I? Candy Crush. Divine. Sweet. never eaten another piece of candy ever again. High five. Don't do it. Don't you do it. It's already been in there once. (sighs) Okay, son. What do we do after we go potty? Should we wash our hands? (laughs) We're We're number number two. two. Oh, no. What's wrong? Someone hacked my computer. Did you use Mr. Secret's very personal network? No? What's that? Mr. Secret's very personal network is a program you install that prevents the government from hacking into your computer. 
That's right. The government is constantly hacking into your computer and stealing information about you. You're just sitting there, minding your own business, looking at pictures of your favorite soup. And next thing you know, the government has taken away your favorite soup. They make you buy the soup they want you to have. Soup is the government. But if you install my very personal network, no one can hack you or your information. Hey. The only website that will work is Mr. Secret's website. That's right. My very personal website will disable every website on the internet besides mine. My website is the only safe one. Want to know more about how sunglasses is the government? My website will tell you. Do you think shoes isn't the government? You're wrong. It's totally the government. But now they won't bother you anymore when you download my very personal network. Mr. Secret's very personal network, only $3,000. But if you sign up today with promo code whatever, you'll save $0? Promo codes are the government. You think they're taking money off a product, but they're actually adding money to the product. So you'll pay more. Then what's the point of the... Never mind. Hello everybody, my name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast, part of That Moment In. We are slightly different than your average movie podcast in that we don't review a whole feature. Instead, myself and a guest will break down our favorite scenes in movies and then discuss why they are so iconic. So check us out, we are available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast, and we are available on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Alright, so I take pride in this show in that this show is literally just about whatever, uh, just that I think of. Like, these are just things that I think of, and... I tell him to marry. I'm like, hey, we're going to do this. And she's like, okay, cool. And then we just do the show. Um, and so for no real reason, we're going to do a top ten list. Because um, the other day. I love top ten lists. I do too, actually. Really? Um, I do. Um, I like watching them. I watch a lot of the YouTube ones. Me too. Um, watch Mojo is like one of my favorite <laughs> YouTube channels. And, and back in the day with, uh, you know, like the David Letterman and. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Wayne's world. Let's not forget Wayne's world. Yep. Wayne's world's <laughs> top 10. Yep. Um, but the other day I was, uh, you know, I kind of was working on this episode and you know, I was trying to think like, you know, what other things can we do? And I was off of work and it was like dreary outside and it was raining and I was at home and I was working on my book and I put on Spotify and I put on my REM playlist because uh, I thought it would, the mood fit. <clears throat> and so I'm going through the playlist as I'm writing and I just stop for a minute and I'm like, I like this song. I really like that song too. And then I remember talking to you like, you know, about REM and how much you like REM. And I was like, you know what? We should do a top 10 REM songs on the podcast. I love REM. And then like. I was like, okay, should I like, try to shoehorn a reason? So I Googled, like, everything about R.E.M. And, like, they they formed in January of 1980, but they didn't get an album until April. Michael Stipe's birthday <clears throat> is on January 4th, so that's kind of relevant. Okay. He just turned 60 <clears throat> this year. Oh, well, sweet. Well, happy yeah. 60th birthday. <laughs> um, But, uh... But then I was like, well, this is a podcast that's just literally about anything, and we don't got to have a reason to do shit. So 
just for no really real particular reason, we're just going to present our top 10 favorite REM songs. Um, with that said, this was fucking hard for me to make. <laughs> oh my God, me too. I had to make like a, I had to list like every one of my favorite songs on a separate piece of paper and then weed them out through that. And it took yeah. a while. To, yeah. I do that with, uh, I do that with and movies. The, yeah. And I still have like honorable mentions. Oh. I was like, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my list to 11 because I have like one more song and spinal tap and all that. So uh, my list is actually a top 11. <laughs> 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 I love you breaking the rules. All right, breaking the rules. Oh, then you know what? I can probably have rules an eleven. Are meant to be break, broken. Yeah. And fuck it. We'll do an eleven. Okay. Yeah. Why not? So you know what? I was gonna have you go first. I was gonna have you go first anyway. But go ahead and go first. What's your number eleven? My number eleven. Okay. So, <clears throat> just to clarify, this goes backwards. Like the first one is the ultimate, your favorite one. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why I did too. Okay. Right. Okay. So my number eleven is the untitled song on the original pressing of reckoning at the mm. very end of little america it's fucking beautiful have you ever heard it not sure i don't think i have actually it's like um the 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 album reckoning it's not on every version but the un like the original unpressed like vinyl okay it's on at the end of Little America, it usually just cuts off at the end of the song. But on this one, <clears throat> there's a kind of like a little 30-second strumming of guitar. And like Michael Stipe, he's singing like indecipherable lyrics. So I have no idea what he's saying. But it's fucking gorgeous. So that's definitely my number 11. Okay. I, all right, that's all, that's awesome. All right, so then, uh, so I'm kind of scrambling for my number eleven here still. Um, all right, I'm gonna uh, go ahead and give it to. Um, uh, it's from uh, Automatic for the People, uh, and it's gonna be Drive. Oh, I love that one, Jr. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so back um, when I was in high school. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers Suncoast video. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, awesome. They, uh, I, I bought from there a collection of REM videos that they had. And it was basically um, starting with Automatic. Like, basically did all the songs from Automatic for the People and Monster. Was it a VHS? Yeah, it was a VHS oh, tape. Nice. <laughs> and it went in the chronological order of, like, you know, when the songs came out. And so this was my first time seeing the video for this song because I didn't know there was a video for Drive. Um, you know, I had the album. I had it automatic for the people. And I liked the song then. And then the video, um, what I'll say about REM music videos is I can take them or leave them because um, some of them I'm not a huge fan of. And they their song, they're for songs that are like my favorite songs. They're going to be showing up on this list. But their videos kind of... 
leave me lacking <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and the one for Drive is kind of interesting in that it has, um, you know, it's like this Michael Stipe crowd surfing, but it's like a giant crowd. And then you got like uh, Peter Buck, Lots like of in lighting the, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Peter Buck's just in the middle, like with his guitar and yeah. Um, but I yeah, I really love Drive. I think Drive's a really yeah. it's oh, a fantastic song. It's really um, kind of it's kind of low and it's got a very interesting melody to it. Um, and I but I meant to say this in the beginning. Uh, we're not gonna do '90s songs for this one. I feel this could be redundant. Um, because most of these will probably be from the nineties. So you can get your nineties fix from this list. Um, but, uh, this, yeah, the, uh, yeah, I love drive. So that's my number 11. So maybe I ride, maybe you walk, maybe I try to get on, baby. Uh, what's your number 10? My number 10 is, um, we're not going to do the 90s ones. It's actually how the West was won and where it got us. Ah, nice. Yes. Yes, I love, yes, I do love that song. It is such a dusty, gritty song. I love the way that he sings in that song. Mm -hmm. I think that is the ultimate, like, his voice has gone through a lot of evolution over the years with, like, IRS and, like, stuff. That I feel like he's proper old you know, he's kind of gritty and like his voice is smoky and it sounds dusty. It's fucking gorgeous. I love that song. It's a perfect introduction to that uh, introduction yes. oh, to yes. that album. And the album cover looks like how that song sounds. Yes, so I agree. I, I, yes. I love that song. Yeah, so that's love... definitely my number 10. I mean, that's it's an amazing album, but that's an amazing opening for an amazing album. I 100% agree with that statement. Um, nice. That was that song was an honorable mention. That is one of my honorable mentions that yeah. I couldn't fit in this list. Um, Sounds like hot dust or like sand. Yeah, it's oh, really good. Gorgeous. I recommend it. Uh, so my number 10, um, I put this one at 10 because this is probably one of their goofier songs. Um, and it's kind of like, I don't know what the point of it was, but I'm glad it exists because it's kind of, it's kind of pure and in simpleness and that's going to be stand. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's such a weird song. It's so fucking weird. Cause it's literally like it's really about nothing, kind of. It's just about standing in directions, yeah, and knowing where's north and where's west. <laughs> it's like I also have like a such a nostalgic. Uh, I remember recording that song off the radio in 1993. Oh, and I still have that exact cassette tape. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I listen to it like whenever I get like a radio that has a cassette player. I listen. I love okay. that song too. No, I totally agree. Yeah, and like the video is really strange too because the band's hardly in it. Because um, this was during that period, I think, where REM didn't want, at least Michael Stipe didn't want to be in the music videos. Because um, they were kind of like anti music video around this time. So they, always it, felt, they said that they felt ridiculous 
lip syncing to their own songs and acting like yeah. Music videos. So, yeah. So they're really not in it much. They're they're, they're just kind of in it, jumping like in slow motion, <laughs> and then landing, and that's it. But like the rest of it is just like these like they got these dancers like just kind of doing this like dance move to the song while they're on the compass, and then it's very nineties. Yeah, and then there's these like random scenes in the background of just like lightning striking and a lighthouse and a boat. What else more do you need? Yeah. <laughs> It's a very strange, like it it's, it's strange overall. Um, so my number ten is gonna be stand. So nice. Uh, what's your number nine? My number nine is Harbor Coat off of Reckoning. It's the first okay. song on Reckoning. Um, that song is beautiful. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what the lyrics mean, but that's. One of the things that I love about R.E.M. is like most of the time you have no idea what the song is about or what the lyrics mean or what he's saying even. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harbor Coat is just this haunting melody. It's like he's singing about ghosts and the ocean and stuff. I, it's just really, I don't know. I feel like that song in- completely shows encapul- encapsulates what I like about R.E.M. It's like they're mm-hmm. really kind of like mysterious, creepy sound. Almost sounds okay. like a storm. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, that's cool. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, number nine. So my number nine um, kind of goes along with the music video. The music video is pretty cool. Um. But it came out, the music video uh, and the song came out in like 2000, 2001. So I can't really, I wouldn't be able to talk about it in the show <laughs> uh, unless I did this list. And that's going to be Imitation of Life. Oh, I love that. That video was awesome. That is I the most yeah. ingenuous, awesomest music video I've ever seen. It is it's, so great. It's such a summary song, too. It's like yes. so upbeat and like, yeah, and I love that song. I yeah. have really good memories with it, too. It was the year I graduated high school when it mm-hmm. came out, and it was, mm-hmm. oh, my God. I, I had uh, I love it. I love that song. Just Yeah, the song, <laughs> song is great, and the music video helps it a lot. Yes. Um, so behind-the-scenes stuff was apparently the director gave directions to everybody in that video to do their thing, and all together – it lasted 20 seconds. <laughs> so everyone just did their thing in this 20 second time span. And then he just edited it in such a way that it was, it's really hard to explain. You have to go see the music video if you haven't seen it. Um, but it's like stuff, you know, the song's going on and then we focus on like one corner of it. And then there's a guy in the background lip syncing the song that we pull back and then we focus on someone else and their foot. It's like a also... lady slapping another lady. And <laughs> yeah. And then stuff in her face and, <laughs> and then stuff like rewinds and goes, starts playing again. And it's, it's just, this. it's just, it's interesting. It's crazy. Um, it could be a Michelle Gondry video, but it's not, uh, which surprises me. Like, I really thought it was a Michelle Gondry video. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's not, it's just his style, but, um, yeah, and the song itself is is fantastic. It's a very like you know light upbeat song, um, and another thing I should say about art about some of these songs is I don't know what most of them are about. Um, this one, yeah, particularly. that's what I'm saying. It's like some, you just that's what's great about REM. You have no idea really can kind of 
put your own feelings about them. Like the, some of the ones I might, I know what like two of them, well three actually, three or four of these that I'm about to list. I know what they're about. Hmm. Um, but for the most part, I don't know what the hell's going on. And this is one of them. It's like I don't know what the song is exactly about. Like if you read the lyrics, it doesn't really mean anything like you know there's no like meaning to it but it must have meant something to michael stipe when he wrote it yeah um but yeah it's a great upbeat song so my number nine imitation of life what's your number eight my number eight is undertow on oh okay yeah 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 yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good it's one. It's intense. It's just, it gets stuck in your head. The vocals are amazing on it. The mm-hmm. lyrics are amazing on it. It's just all around a great song. Uh, yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, I don't listen to it that often, but when it does show up on, like, you know, if I have it on, like, a, like a shuffle or something, it'll come up. And, yeah, I do like it. It has that, like, weird kind of vague, like, sadness that a lot of uh-huh. R.E.M. songs have. Oh, yeah, that yeah, you really yeah. don't know why it makes you feel sad. But it does, and it but in kind of a good way. I don't know. It's just the vocals are really good. I I, I think it's amazing. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. You go down to the water. Drink down with the water. Fly up off the water. But this is not my time, sister. It is cold in heaven. Uh, my number eight was actually the very first REM song I ever heard in my lifetime. Oh, yeah? Um, I was 12, maybe 11. I was a kid. Uh, yeah, I was pre-high school. <clears throat> yeah, right around middle school. And my uncle uh, was friends with this guy. And I can't remember what the guy's name was right now. But he was a big REM fan. Now, this is like 92 when this was happening, 91-ish. And so we're going off of like the 80s R.E.M. and the somewhat early 90s R.E.M. hadn't start yet. Like they had out of time um, and Automatic wasn't out yet. So I think this was like really early 90s, maybe even late 80s. It would have been if it was between out of time and Automatic for the people, it would have been between 92 and 90. But the song was an eighty is is one of their eighties ones and it's their most yeah. and it is their most like mainstream song and it's it's the end of the world as we know it and I feel oh it. yeah that's a good song um now yeah this is like the song I think they're most popular for kind of like how Radiohead has creep oh, this, is, my God. this is this is this is them for <laughs> REM. Because uh, this is the song that like everybody knows and everyone's heard the song and everyone tries to to sing it and I still say that the lyrics are not that hard to understand yeah no just, i don't i don't understand what everyone's on about with like, that like i get he's going really fast and i but get it's still crystal it's, clear what he's saying i mean and it can be jumbled but i think the word if you really pay attention you can hear every single thing he's saying especially if you've heard it like a million times on the radio like yes. it's like okay yeah and um I remember uh, seeing them in concert, R.E.M. in concert, and they did, they did this song. And I think I was the only one in, in that student stadium, <laughs> like, singing along the entire time. And, yes, it goes without saying, when it got to Leonard Bernstein, everybody screamed that at the top of their lungs. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was such a beautiful moment. 
Um, Seeing them in concert was like one of the best nights of my entire life. Agreed. Yes, it I was. I was like ecstatic. I remember I had always wanted to see them as my first favorite. You know, they were always my favorite band when I was a kid. I always said, that's the band I want to see first. And yeah. I did. And I remember the second Michael Stipe walked out on stage, I could see his shadow on the wall. And uh-huh. I was like, I had a split second moment, like, holy shit, he's actually there. That's not him on TV because <laughs> I could see his shadow. This is for real. And I was like, oh, my God, it was so fucking amazing. Yeah. Was, oh, so much fun. Oh, uh, I was so, yeah, I was so happy when I got to see them because that mm. was like the first concert that I paid for myself. Because oh, really? my other concerts, I went with my dad and he paid for them. Uh, but REM was the very first concert that I paid for myself. Oh, um, that's cool. It was Did you their... get like a summer job or something? Well, no, I was working. I worked at McDonald's. Mm. Um, and it was uh, their Up Tour in 99. That's the one I saw too. And uh, so I was working at McDonald's for a year. And yeah, I did save money. Yes, I did. Um, but I remember like when the radio, because the station that I listened to was like an alternative rock station. And they said, oh, R.E.M.'s going to be in town next summer. That's when I saved money. And I was like, yes, I'm saving money. And I, you know, I looked up, you know, and this is before Internet. So, like, I had to, like, actually call. Yeah. You had to call places that That's sold tickets. That's what my mother did. Yeah. <laughs> I was at my friend's house, and we heard on the radio, they said R.E.M.'s going on, con- you know, having a concert in Boston, and this is the number to call. And I actually, I was at my friend's house. I called home to my mom, and I was like, Mom, R.E.M.'s coming to things. She's like, Oh, you think you know, think I'm gonna get you tickets to that? It's gonna be so expensive. I I don't know about that, Mary. I don't no. know. Don't get your hopes up. And then like maybe like ten minutes later, she called me back and she goes, "I just got you the tickets." She like like waited uh, on. The, yeah, that's like, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so it was that's really very great. cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, like I, you know, we had so back in, for me, uh, I I had to call Ticketmaster, and mm. I'm at home. And first off, well, Ticketmaster was like an 800 number, thankfully. And I was on hold for like two hours, um, which made me nervous because I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, this is going to sell out. Um, so, you know, how it worked was you called and then um, you would call this 800 number, like Ticketmaster, like 1-800 Ticketmaster or some shit. And so you, you would have to pick what concert that they were releasing tickets for that day you wanted. So it was like like one for Garth Brooks, two for <laughs> yeah. two for uh, two for uh, the Macarena guys, and like three for REM. So I was like three, three, three. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, you are number one thousand eight hundred and forty six in line. It's like ah, oh, god damn it. <laughs> But then, like, I just I stood there with the phone to my ear for two fucking hours, and I waited, listening to generic hold music, and then finally I got to a person, and they're like, "How can I help you? I need I need three tickets to REM. Okay, that'll be two hundred and fifty dollars, whatever it was. I don't know how much it was. And then I was like, "Yes, yes." Awesome, the best moment. I had yeah. a similar moment. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah." I was so happy. Um. And I went with my my two friends, you know, I went with Bill and another friend I had at the time, and it was it was awesome. So I had a sprained ankle. I had actually sprained my ankle the day before at school. And um, oh, my yeah. nurse was like telling me, don't go to the concert. And I actually uh. like, I was like, I don't care. I actually climbed up like on a railing with my, <laughs> my air cast on and I was like, I don't care. Ah. 
<laughs> That's I was awesome. in so much pain when we were leaving, but I was so happy it didn't matter. It was like the best concert ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my number eight was It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel right. Fine. What's your number seven, Mary? My number seven is feeling gravity's pull off of Fables of the Reconstruction or Reconstruction of the Fables, whichever way you want to. It's amazing. It's so creepy. It's so intense and electric. And oh, it's just the ultimate start of an album. When I was trying to get my husband into REM, he was totally not into them when mm. we got together and stuff. He didn't really get into their stuff. I had the vinyl. And I put it on and he goes, oh, this is sick. And that was like one of the songs that actually like convinced him. It's like, this band is actually really fucking cool. Because that's mm-hmm. a cool song. Yeah. And it's a really cool, like mysterious opening to that album, which is the whole album itself is really mysterious. But the whole Feeling Gravity's Pull is a great introduction to it. So, yeah, that's definitely my number uh, seven. My number seven is actually from the Up album, um, which was the first album they did without drummer Bill uh, Berry. Yeah. yeah, he left after uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi because he had uh, medical problems. He had a um, brain aneurysm. He had a brain fucking, fucking brain aneurysm. Like, Jesus Christ. On stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck, man. Yeah, go go rest, dude. <laughs> yeah, no shit. He's a farmer now, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the first album that um, – they did it without the drummer, and so they went kind of a different direction. They went kind of Latronica a little bit. Kind um, of trying to follow the Radiohead sound. It sounds yeah. a lot like stuff at OK Computer and all that. Um, so my my number, where are we at, seven? My number seven is Lotus. Mm. Um, now, this I, I had to look up because I really like the song, yeah. and I – Everyone suspects it's about Michael Stipe experimenting with drugs, um, right. which makes sense because the song is really trippy. Uh, it's got it sounds actually kind of like a '60s like kind of vibe to it. Yeah, and um, he's singing about the lotus flower, like the psychedelic. Effect. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I don't know for sure if that's what it's about. Again, I don't know what a lot of their songs are actually about. <laughs> But I, I, I can kind of see what they're talking about with that. Yeah. And um, uh, Lotus is like the second track off of Up. And I remember buying Up like nervous because I'm like, how is this going to sound? Not the drummer. This is going to be interesting. And so the first song on there was, you know, it was okay. I liked it. And then Lotus kicked in. And I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah it's got a okay. nice industrial sound. Nice gritty. 
So kind I was a- like, okay, yeah, this, yeah, they're they're gonna be okay without Bill Barry. So let him rest up, and they're gonna be just fine. So yeah. Uh, so my number seven is gonna be Lotus. Uh, what's your six? My sixth is Old Man Kenzie off of uh, the same album, Fables of the Reconstruction. Yeah, okay. That song is creepy. It's eerie. <laughs> I say that about all the songs of Fables of the Reconstruction, but this okay. one in particular, the lyrics are really weird. I mean, you listen to them. I can't, you know, all REM lyrics don't really make sense when you just listen to them. But this one, <laughs> right. especially, you listen to it, it's like, uh... This is kind of fucking creepy. And the backing vocals from Mike Mills on this track are exceptional. They like, it's like ghostly. It's like, you know, you're listening to ghosts and I don't know. It's just really haunting in like a very vague way. and Perfect. I love, I love the atmosphere of the song. So yeah, that's mm. definitely my number six, Old Man Kenzie. Okay. Yeah, this list is kind of going how I expected it to go, uh, <laughs> with you doing like the very obscure '80s REM, <laughs> and then me doing the poppy '90s one. But you know what? That's that's fine. I I think um, I, I it just kind of gives you an overall view of REM. So, yeah. uh, so my number six. Uh, actually, I just found out what the song was about like a few months ago. I was always a fan of the song, and it wasn't until I saw this. Uh, video on YouTube um, that was called it was something like uh, popular like pop songs or whatever uh, that are about Courtney Love Mm. Um, who in case anyone doesn't know who Courtney Love is uh, she was married to Kurt Cobain in the like the 90s and people suspect she had something to do with his death and she kind of went crazy after he died and formed a band called Hole and then pissed off a shit ton of people after that um and so all these people that she pissed off all were musicians and so one of the people she apparently pissed off was michael stipe and so he wrote a song called crush with eyeliner uh that is completely about courtney love now that i know that is and that I, about courtney love it's funny because i got the monster like the uh, 25th anniversary thing and they had the liner notes and he says it's just about having a crush on someone so okay now the way that it was worded was it was a crush has in like a sarcastic crush Mm. um and so um because if you read the other lyrics to it um it makes sense um because uh she was super okay so like like there's a line that says she's a sad tomato. She's three miles of bad road. Uh, she's a real, a real woman child. Um, and so I think the whole thing, like the whole crush, is just like a like a sarcastic, yeah, like, of like you know, like a way of saying it. 
Um, like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm totally, like, in love with you, Courtney Love, whatever. But, like, he's, like, dissing her, like, as, you know, at the same time. Um, so it, like, totally makes sense. And, again, you know, this was just some guy on a YouTube channel. I don't know how accurate that might be. Yeah, and also, it's to a be good fair, theory. Um, Michael Stipe and Courtney Love are great friends till to this day. And uh, her daughter, Frances Bean Cobain, her godfather is Michael Stipe. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, I don't know. I I just I just saw that video and I looked into it a little bit more and it kind of makes sense, but you know I don't know. Yeah. If, if, I mean, that's... who knows? Because like they never really say what their songs are about anyway, so it could be. But anything. um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It 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 just kind of fit. I thought because you know yeah. people. Uh, it's a like... great song though too. Oh, and it's a good like rock song. Like it's yeah. an actual like rock song. I got the uh, the vinyl that's remastered with the uh, thing. Oh, it sounds great. It sounds oh, awesome. okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, my number six uh, is Crush with Eyeliner. Oh, that was one of my um, honorable mentions. <laughs> okay. Number five. What's number five, Mary? My number five is Driver Eight, which is ooh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I love that song. I have. I mentioned like the cassette tape of Stand when I was recording it from the radio. Uh-huh. It was actually three songs. It was when I lived in New Hampshire. I was really little, and um, it was actually um, Driver Eight was one of those songs. And I recorded off the radio. I remember my dad walking by the room, and he goes good tunes and it was like yeah and i remember listening to it and i wasn't really familiar with it but my dad always loved rem and that's where all my you know influence on them came from but oh, okay. i didn't that's know cool. what the song driver eight was and he walked by my room and said good tunes and i was like oh my dad likes this song this has to be an awesome song and i and forever that's always been a great song to me it's also just a great song in general i love that song so yeah that's definitely uh, my number five driver eight yeah do you that like was, that song too i do that was an honorable yeah. mention that was an honorable oh, mention really of mine. Yeah. yeah that's cool um yeah i just didn't know where to put it like honestly but i, I yeah it was it was one of the songs that came up the other day when i was thinking of this episode and I was like, yeah, fucking Driver Eight's a good song. And yeah, I wanted to put it, I wanted to put it at number eight, but then I added everything else. Oh, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I should have done that. Yeah, but I mean, but we're also doing it by our favorites, so it's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> But What's yeah, your- no, it was uh, an honorable mention. So my number five, um, I think is okay. I think it is like the most like heartfelt, lovely, most beautiful song of REMs that I've ever heard. The instant I heard it, 
I put it on, this is probably cheesy. I put it on every mixtape that I made for like any girlfriend I had at the time. Um, and that is at my most beautiful. I knew you were going to say that. I knew exactly that you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> that song is really sweet. There's something just so like sweet and pure about the song. And yeah. it's just about, you know, he, you know, I feel like Mariam and Michael Stipe doesn't do a lot of love songs. I, you know, they got one called to the one I love, which is an also honorable mention, but that's supposed to be, that's all that's supposed to be kind of like a sarcastic song. It's a Um, troubled song. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't count that too much. Um, but this is probably like, you know, I don't know, like at least top like love song from them. And it's, it's super, it is really beautiful. It's got a very nice melody. Uh, the piano is just pitch perfect um the lyrics are just wonderful and they seriously work and it works like i, I put it on like i said mixtape for for my girlfriends and they were like oh that is so sweet um <laughs> michael you know, say's vocals in that song is just gorgeous too. yeah and uh yeah it is just such a lovely song so if if you want if you're out there they don't do mixtapes anymore but if someone wants to be old school and want to make a mixtape and they want to do something for you know a a guy or girl whoever whoever you got a crush on or you love with put that song on there somewhere and they will they will like melt in your hand because they're gonna love the lyrics so i totally agree my number five is at my most beautiful Joyce. <laughs> What's your number four? My number four, speaking of beautiful songs, speaking of Michael Stipe's beautiful voice and mm-hmm. all that, I think my number four is definitely Tongue. Oh, yes. Monster. Yes. His voice is sublime in that song. It's so soft and so beautiful and so the falsetto that he, it sounds like, oh my God, I don't know. It's just so. And, and the concept of that song is such a rarity that you see in music or anything else. Like the mm-hmm. concept of it's a girl that's she's unattractive. She's overweight. She can't get a girl a uh, boyfriend. She mm-hmm. just goes to the easily available guy. And then she feels worthless because because of it and wants to indulge in ice cream and stuff like that. That's what the song is about. It's a gorgeous oh, okay. concept. It's a beautiful song. The vocals are exceptional. The instrumentals are exceptional the whole thing is just such a blue lovely oh it's gorgeous it's like a summer night i love that song <laughs> yeah i i i 100 agree yeah. um that is that i remember when that came on during my like um uh, my first listen to through monster when i first bought it yeah and that just came on that just like hit me like in the chest i was like oh my god this is such a such a wonderful song and the um, fact that he can make his voice go, he can do that falsetto. Michael Stipe's like vocals, he can go really low 
and like really southern and sound like you know all that but then he can go super high but like really soft and ashy and stuff like that oh, i just oh, i love that song tongue is amazing it's it's gorgeous so yeah yes. that's definitely that is definitely my number four i had a i had a hard time like rearranging that in my top five because it's so gorgeous My number four, we're going to stick with Monster, and uh, it's going to be the last song on the album, and it's called You. Nice. Um, the first time I hear, heard it, I I thought it was a cover because I thought I've heard the song before, but I was wrong. Um, cause, uh, but I just kept listening to it, and everything about that song is just awesome. Um, it's kind of, it's actually kind of a love song. You know, when you look at the lyrics, um, and I don't see any like smart assery about, about it or anything. <laughs> like, it looks like just a pure, like straight up, you know, like I love you song. Um, but, uh, and it's got like this kind of like interesting, like guitar sound to it. Um, just a great song. His vocals are wonderful. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Really, it's, it's the very last song. It's a it was a good way to end that album. Uh, Monster I, was like you know if we were ranking albums, that would be my top five albums. Monster because mm. it was such a beautiful album beginning to end. I and agree. Um, I think I said last week. I think it was last week where I said I don't really listen to albums like front to back like that. REM is kind of the exception. I do listen to all their albums front to back, yes. and Monster is like one of those that I can just listen to nonstop and and just enjoy myself you gotta uh, get the 25th anniversary the the new edition it's good okay it's on spotify i noticed they have that on, on spotify um mm-hmm. they got like remastered versions and like demos and stuff so i have to check that out yeah uh so my number four is you
what's your number three, Mary? Uh, my number three is Gardening at Night from Chronic Town. It's the okay. second song off of Chronic Town. Um, he uses the same falsetto voice that he uses in Tongue, except okay. this was like way back in the 80s, so his voice was a lot higher back then. It has a really... I know I said this like a million times with R.E.M. songs, a haunting, uh-huh. eerie feeling, but yet beautiful and soft and, you know, it's beautiful. Have you ever heard it, Gardening at Night? That one I'm not familiar with. Like I said, I'm not super into their 80s stuff. Yeah. Um, but, Chronic uh, Town is a really small album. It only has like, I think, five songs on it, um, but it's gorgeous. It, it, like, it was always one of my favorite songs, like growing up. <laughs> I listened to R.E.M. for the first time. I think it was I was like, what, seven years old? I was grounded and I listened okay. out of time. And listening. But um, yeah, no, Gardening at Night was always one that I grew up listening to. And it, it's just really weird. It feels like, you know, I don't know. It's creepy. Just, yeah, that's my that's my number three. Okay. super familiar with that but uh sounds pretty cool yeah uh so my number three is uh one of two songs that is about andy kaufman now the second one which is man in the moon i did not put on my list which kind of hurt me um but it is an honorable mention um god i think i like this one more oddly enough and that's gonna be the great beyond i love that i love that song <laughs> yes it is a um, uh and uh, Michael Stipe produced uh, Man on the Moon, the movie about Andy Kaufman, and that movie's fucking fantastic. Yeah, it really is. Great acting. I, w- I really wish Jim Carrey got some kind of award for you know fucking being Andy Kaufman because yeah, um, you know that's one of those roles that I watch and I completely forget that's Jim Carrey. Like I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm watching Andy Kaufman, you know, acting out his life, and uh, that movie is such a fantastic, fantastic movie. Um, and the, and so of course, because Michael Stipe produced it, he did, uh, they did a song, uh, and it's called great beyond and it's, you know, but it's more or less about, uh, Andy Kaufman and, 
it's yeah, it's just a really cool song. It's it's man, man I was like obsessed with it when it first came out. Did he was... sing that at the uh, up tour that you went to? Because when I saw him in concert, oh. they sang that, and they were like, "This is a new song." Like it's. <laughs> Let me think. Yet to be um, in... Shit, I don't remember. I because it would have been 1999. It was the same year that it came yeah, out. Up yeah, tour. yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. might have. They really yeah, might have. They probably did. Because um, they were, you know, promoting Up because that was their new album. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I remember the older songs they did. I remember them doing songs from Up. I think they did do it, actually. Yeah. I remember when I saw it. them in Boston, they were doing it to be like, oh, this is our new upcoming thing. Like, it's a, a single from, like, a, a movie and all that. Like, it wasn't released yet, but they did it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah um, we probably saw that like before everybody else did. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's it. My number three is Great Beyond. Cool. I've watched the stars fall silent from your eyes. Uh, what's your number two? My number two is Leave mm. off of New Adventures in High. Yes, Park. okay. Yes. Song is sick. I don't know what else to say about it. It's perfect. It's fucking unbelievable. It's uh-huh. raw. It's intense. It's sad. It's gorgeous. I don't know. It's just a good song. It's definitely good. Do you like mm-hmm. that song? Yes, I. It's yes, it's on uh, New Ventures and Hi-Fi, which yes. I can. That's another album I can just play forward and backward, yes. like no problem. And uh, yeah, um, you put that in a car, people are like, "Oh, what was that song? I like that song. It's it's a fucking sick song. I feel like no matter what kind of music you like, you're gonna like that song just because it's so unique and cool. It's, it's fucking awesome." Yes, I 100% agree. Nice. Um, didn't make my list, but yes, I I do I do I do agree with that.
Uh, my number two is probably their second most famous song um, after It's In The World As We Know It. Um, it's got a very uh, unique music video. And um, I believe uh, this one was a lot of debate about what it's about. And that is Losing My Religion. Uh, I love that yeah, it's yeah. I'm I'm going I'm going way super mainstream, but I don't care. Um, um, people were all like, "Well, what does that mean? What does losing my religion mean?" And then you find out it's a southern term, uh, meaning you're getting angry. It's <coughs> about, then, that song's about having a crush on something. <laughs> it's all their songs about having a crush. No, on Michael. So remember when we the last episode we discussed the the storytellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Michael Stipe was on that. He discussed losing my religion. Losing my religion is a southern term for, like, going as far as you can under the most desperate of measures. Like, you would lose your religion to do something like this. Losing my religion, he put it, was that you would go so out of your way to, like, do whatever it could to let your crush know that you had a crush on them. And it didn't matter what became of it. And that's what that song is about. I mean, if you look at the, the student like all of it says it's definitely about having a crush on somebody and being so desperate to huh. like, Oh no, I said too much. I haven't said enough. It's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, being so in love with somebody, but you don't know how to handle it. Yeah. That's definitely what that song's about. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah. I just knew that the term losing your religion was like a Southern, um, you know, saying, um, that I, th- yeah. I thought I heard that it was about like getting angry or something. No, um, it just means like going to like your like most desperate, dire straits. Like you would even lose your religion to do this. You know what I mean? Like oh, wow. just okay. going to being pushed to the furthest part possible <laughs> edge. You know All what right. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel dumb, but that's okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, the, oh, I the really only reason know I that. know that is just, just because of like an REM nerd and I've like looked at it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's... He said it in the storytellers. Um, yeah, but that's what now, that See, means. I didn't get to see the storytellers of REM. I must yeah, have missed that. That's like um, literally like where I saw that from. Like losing hmm. my religions are about like having a crush on somebody, but you're not sure if they have a crush on you back and you're not sure if the messages that you're sending to them are reaching them and you're not sure, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's what, yeah, <laughs> that's what that's. Huh. What okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I've certainly been in that situation many a times in my life. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I could have put that on a mixtape. Okay. Damn. I wish I'd have known that Good back in the nineties. <laughs> and it, it's a, it's a wonderful song and the video yeah. is really cool. Um, I agree. I agree. That was the same guy that did like the cell, right? Yes. And yeah. oh my god, when that there's a scene in the cell that takes place in the same room has that music video yes. that tripped me the, the fuck out. Jump. Yeah, that's so <laughs> creepy, right? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, why are we watching the REM video? <laughs> no. I was like, oh, right? that's right, it's the same guy, but holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is right? so weird. I know the same like window and like the dreary. Yes. Room. Like, oh God, this it's I've the, seen this before. Where is this ex- going? It's the exact same room. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, yeah. man, I guess he likes to reuse sets. Holy <laughs> shit! I feel like you can't. That, that that's like David Lynch like using the carpeting in like <laughs> Twin Peaks and like some random movie he makes. Like, no, you can't do that. That goes for Twin like Peaks. Like the Overlook Hotel. Like, oh, we're just gonna use this for the clock, the Clockwork Orange set. That's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Wow, that is so weird. Okay. Yeah, so my number two, despite me now knowing what the hell it's about, but it's still my favorite. It's still one of my favorites. Still a great song. Still a wonderful song. Losing My Religion. wonder there's a song you didn't say and there's a song that i didn't say and i feel like we might have the same number one despite despite you going like the obscure 80s deep 80s cuts my number one is very obscure okay um well okay i guess mine's not like super well known but it was mine was a single it did come out uh there was a music video for it and uh, I really enjoy it. But what is your number one? Okay. My number one is definitely <clears throat> unequivocally be like, okay. So do you remember the seventh, um, the song on Reckoning, the, the second track, Seven Chinese Brothers? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So when they were recording that, um, Michael Stipe didn't, he was like out of whack and he wouldn't sing and stuff like that. And he was being weird. So the producer went up in the attic of the re- recording studio and he grabbed a bunch of old gospel albums from like the sixties and the fifties. Mm. And he brought them down to Michael Stipe and Michael Stipe picked one of them up and he started singing the words that were written on the back of the record into the microphone and they recorded it to the tune of seven chinese brothers and it's called voice of harold so voice Uh, of harold is my number one 
<clears throat> favorite REM song. It's fucking amazing. It's super creative and incredible. You know how people say, like, oh, I could listen to so-and-so read the phone book. Uh-huh. This is, like, the equivalent of that because you're listen- you're literally listening to REM. I mean, sorry, Michael Stipe just reading the back of a gospel record from the 60s. <laughs> Whatever is printed there, he's singing it in full force, just beautiful, you know, his voice in the effort that it takes and in the um, tone to seven Chinese brothers, which is gorgeous. And it's, <laughs> it works. He sings every single thing, every little like number on the record where it's like LST 390, you know, <laughs> all those things. He <clears throat> sings that full force and it, it is unbelievably gorgeous. It's unbelievable. It's just, uh, I'm sorry. It's the best song ever. Okay. Yeah. Voice of Harold. It's on, um, dead letter office, which mm. is their B side album. Oh, okay. But yeah. I, I totally recommend it. Re- uh, reckoning has seven Chinese brothers as the second song. This mm. is the superior version of that song. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Check it out. It's good. Huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I have to say I'm actually not familiar with that. That's pretty cool.
or to straighten out your life through the sincere testimony and the songs of the revelers. I must. J.L. Fag, founder and leader of the Blue Ridge Quartet. For 23 years, from Temple Records, LST 390. Planning to make a record, we are associated with the United Music World Recording Studios, Incorporated, West Columbia, South Carolina. The finest sound available anywhere. The joy of knowing Jesus produced by Joel Gentry. Cover, backliner, design, resource. The revelation. The must. The No, we don't have to say a number one, but that's okay. Um, so my number one is easily my favorite song from New Adventures in Hi-Fi, uh, which is an album that I love. It is like my number oh, one favorite album of all time. Yeah. And uh, this one is my favorite song, no question, off that album. Uh, and it is E Bow the Letter. Oh, yeah, I love that song. Good and pick. it is um i i can literally listen to that song all day every day never get tired of it patty smith does backing voice and does the chorus crazy good and um this i do know what the song is about and hopefully i get this one right so this is about um michael stipe was friends with river phoenix yeah and uh, River Phoenix, you know, as everyone may or may not know, he died really super young, like, like what, 20 maybe? Maybe not even 20. Uh, super young. And so um, Michael Stipe, when River Phoenix went to go, you know, make movies, uh, 70, 80, 90, uh, 23, um, when River Phoenix went to go make, you know, movies, Michael Stipe was a little, like, kind of sad about losing a friend you know he was he didn't see him very often and so uh michael Stipe wrote him this letter and then he never sent it and then river phoenix died and then we get everybody hurts that's what everybody hurts is about as well yeah um but then michael Stipe found this letter that he never sent to river phoenix and so he put the letter to uh this like melody that um um peter buck was doing on his on a not even a guitar it was uh well actually it's an e-bow e-bow is a type of instrument uh that's kind of like an electronic like uh, like violin or something 
And uh, so he's messing around with uh, that, and then Michael Sipes reading this letter, and they put it to that to that, to that melody that Peter Buck was doing. And um, Ebow, uh, I'm just trying to see information about Ebow. Oh, it's kind of like a it's 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 like a handheld guitar with a bow on it. And um, that's what he's playing throughout the song. And then, yeah, and he's just reading this letter that he wrote. And that's kind of what the song is about. It's just basically him, like, you know, feeling, you know, that he's losing his friend because he's going to Hollywood and he's worried that, you know, he's not going to see, you know, River Phoenix, you know, because of acting and stuff. And then, of course, then he died. So that was, you know, ultra sad. And um, it's a very touching song. As very deep lyrics and um I look up when you see all of you and all of me fussing stars, some of them they surprise. I went to write this 4 a.m. This letter The fields of poppies, little pearls All the boys and all the girls Sweet tooth, each and every one A little scary I said your name I wore it like a badge of teenage film stars Hash bars, cherry mash and tinfoil tiaras Dreaming of Maria Callas Wherever she is This fake thing I don't get it. I wrap my hand in plastic to try to look through it. Maybelline eyes and girls, boy moves. Can take you far. The star thing. I don't get it.
you see all of you and all of me first and starting and some of them they surprise I can't look it in the eyes second our Spanish fly ass and kerosene cherry flavored neck and collar I can smell the sorrow on your breath and sweat fixing the song and smell thing I got it Just go to Spotify, go check out New Adventures in Hi-Fi, and just listen to that whole damn album, and you'll thank me later, because it is wonderful. One of my so. honorable mentions from that album was Binky the Doorman. <laughs> I love that song. Yes. I fucking love I that I do. Song. I do, too. Yes. I've, I think I've actually quoted that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. That is such a great... Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, ser- like, I could have filled this list with just new ventures and hi-fi songs i had like a whole like page before that i'm like oh yeah like gonna maps and legends and all that like i trimmed it down yeah but yeah i love rem <laughs> yeah i do too and you know i i know you know i i'm i'm probably sound like a poser because i'm picking all their like pop stuff but like i i can't think of another band that i love that i can listen to every single song of theirs it's because it's a band that like I don't know, like, they're the one band that, like, ever since I was, like, the smallest child, like, I, I discovered on my own. Everything mm-hmm. else was given to me by my parents, but R.E.M., I feel like I got grounded one day and I stole a tape from my dad's, not knowing it was on it, and I took it in my room, and I'm like, it was R.E.M., and I listened mm. to it, and it was like, wow, this is my thing now. And, like, yeah. it was, oh, ever since then, yeah, like, they're, they've always been, like, kind of, like, a thing to me, like, yeah. Okay. I, love, I love them. Yeah, it's just you know, there's something about just their music and the vocals and everything. I just, I just completely love. Okay. And uh, I don't know what. And okay, so to kind of explain a little bit, like 
I don't mind their 80s stuff. I think I'm more of a fan of their 90s for some reason. And they are vastly different sounds. Like the 80s stuff and the 90s stuff. There's the a, 80s, there's a, a, there's a the difference. The 80s stuff just has such an eerie, creepy quality yeah, yeah. about it, though. And I, don't, and I don't mind that. I really don't mind that. Um, I just prefer, like, the 90s are. Like, yeah. literally every album they had out in the 90s, I own and I've listened to forward well, and backwards. What would you say is your favorite REM album? Besides New Adventures in Hi-Fi? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Monster. Uh, yeah, Automatic. Awesome. Automatic mm-hmm. is good. Strip forward and backward. Nice. Um, the very underrated one, I would say, uh, is um, Up. But people don't talk about Up very much. Yeah. And then um, the last one. Now, okay. I'm going to admit their last like two albums they had before they broke up i just could not get into yeah no i, just, I didn't I, I didn't hear those either i just couldn't i don't know they were just very they, different they even admitted themselves they're like if you want to listen to what a band sounds like when they shouldn't be around listen to this like, they literally <laughs> said that about their own album like i don't think they liked it either like yeah but yeah i mean i I, I think there are irs albums are they're gorgeous Nice. Um, but, um, another very underrated one is Reveal, hmm. um, which is, I will say that's the last album that I've listened from them before I kind of stopped listening to their newer stuff. Um, they put that out in 2001 and, um, I didn't put actually, the only song from that album that I put on my list was Imitation of Life. Um, but you know, uh, hmm. all the way to Reno is a damn good song. Um, the lifting is pretty good. Um, Day Sleeper is a good song. Day too. Sleeper is a song. good song. Yeah. Another but, one I had my honorable mentions was um, Maps and Legends in the Begin the Begin from Life Search Pageant. Have you heard that? No, I see. I have. Ah, <laughs> oh, you gotta hear. I know. I know. You gotta hear their eighties albums. I know. I know. I know. I know. God, I'm gonna get so much hate for this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said I I I've heard a lot of their '80s stuff, just not all of it. And you gotta you know, do it. You gotta listen to it. You gotta give it. It's good. And it's just you know I just I just prefer the night. I don't know. I just prefer the '90s stuff. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I apologize. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're a sinner. <laughs> Wash yourself away from your sins. I'm gonna quote a MST3. I'm gonna quote a MST3K thing. I belong in hell. <laughs> You're out of order. <laughs> the Coke machine is out of order. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. That's it for the show. So, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. This was uh this was a fun this was a fun show. Yes. Uh, we need to do more top ten lists. This was a good. This was good. I, I think we need to incorporate this into our modern, regular material. Okay, I will definitely put that into consideration. Yes, definitely. Like lists. lists. Yeah, we will We will do more top ten lists like in the future. Lists. So, you know what? We'll leave that up to you guys. What do you think we should do top ten lists about? And it literally could be anything. Like, we cover every topic on the face of the planet. So, whatever list you want to hear us make, email it to me um, uh, at whateverjasonsoto at gmail.com. Or you can tweet me at whateverjsoto. 
Uh, now let me do the official ending of the show here. Uh, whatever with Jay Soto was hosted by me, Jason Soto, and my co-host Mary Mitchell. Hello. Uh, I can be found uh, on Twitter at whatever Jay Soto or email us at whatever Jay Soto at gmail.com. And you can join the Facebook page, facebook.com slash whatever with Jason Soto. You can join that. Uh, I post episodes, I post memes, I post questions, I talk to stuff, I make jokes, blah, blah, blah. All that is on there. Uh, this podcast can be found on Podomatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you get podcasts from. You know, just once I'd like to be able to go to a stranger's table in a restaurant and ask them if they're enjoying their meal, as if I was the manager. And if they say no, just uh, I'll just take their food away and then just leave the restaurant with their plate. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> the opening and closing music is Battle of Who Could Care Less by Ben Folds 5 off their album Whatever and Ever Amen. I do not own this song, nor do I exactly have permission uh, to use this, but I do have fair use on my side as I am not making money off of it. If someone wants to pay us to do this podcast, uh, I'll be more than happy to come up with an original song or just pay a band to cover it because I found out you can cover a song and then use the cover and not worry about royalties. I have learned that. That is a legal thing, goddammit, and I will fight for that. So, uh, Mary, thank you so much for coming, as always. Thank you for uh, having me. Awesome to do the show with you. Awesome yes, to do this episode. As always. Uh, has talking about REM. So everyone else, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you later. Good night, all.